Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. I am your host. My name is Andrew. Thank you very much for downloading this latest episode. And today we've got something pretty darn spectacular in store. I don't want to spoil it yet. Well, actually, I I guess I kind of have to spoil it as I'm going to be introducing it right now. But um, before I get to it, I do, again, sincerely thank you for downloading this latest episode. If you are a brand new subscriber, thank you. If you are not a subscriber, why don't you go ahead and do so? We have a lot of fun here on Stamper Cinema. I bring different people on and we talk about different movies, specifically the movies they want to talk about, which is kind of unique to us. But today what we've got is we've got we've got a guest that has been in the industry for darn near 40 years, if not more than 40 years. She's been an actress, a writer, a producer, a director. Uh, She's now the co-founder of Dramafy.com, which is an audio drama podcasts website, which she will tell us all about. She's also a winner of a Writers Guild Award, uh, Humanitas Award, Humanitas, Humanitas uh, Prize, and even scored an Emmy nomination. I'm excited about it. We're going to be talking about, obviously, Dramafy. We're going to talk a little bit about her career. But today, what we're really going to be leaning on is talking about what makes a good movie, right? Or what makes a movie good, right? So we're going to be talking about everything that goes into making a movie quality, right? So it's a little bit different. We haven't done one of these episodes, but I'm really intrigued to hear what her thoughts are. I don't know where the conversation is going to go, but I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. So without further ado, please welcome to the show, Elizabeth Hansen. So, Elizabeth, thank you very much for for joining the show today. How are you? I am well. Thank you very much. I, uh, I, I'm leaving to go camping in Wyoming tomorrow. And thank heavens it's not in northern Yellowstone. So, yes. But other than that, I'm really good. What is the now? Are you guys out west experiencing the same ridiculous heat that we're getting here in the East Coast as well? Yes, we got that before we got this crazy nuts storm that just went through the day before yesterday that flooded Yellowstone. We, you know, we've had this horrible 20 year drought. We have a horrible drought going on here. So to have, you know, four inches of rain in the desert just causes all sorts. I was listening to NPR and they said it was like a thousand year storm, one of those kind of things. It's like... He's a crazy, I'm telling you. But um, I am well. Thank you for asking. Are you well? well, well you, mentioned, you, mentioned, you mentioned NPR, and I was just listening to you. I'm like, man, you've got a bit of an NPR voice going on there, too. Well, thanks. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> so, obviously, you know, we, we've spoken a little bit, but you, you live in the, the Salt Lake City area, Correct. 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 We have office. We have an office up in Park City, but I live down in um, Salt Lake. Uh, is that where you're from originally, or I am? I was born and bred here in the uh, in the 50s and 60s. Left in the 70s, um, and went to Los Angeles, and you know, <laughs> just raised a lot of heck. And that's you know, I, that's where I went. You were telling me that I have this like NPR, but I put myself through grad school by doing. Um, voiceovers at, down in Los Angeles. Mm. And I had some friends who were background wall actors. And so they brought me in and thank heavens, because I went to AFI for my to get my master's in screenwriting. 
and it was really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like, I was, uh, we were, we were on the flash, the original flash that was in the 1980s. It was, oh my God. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, Obviously, I mean, I don't need to tell you, but yeah, grad school's only even gone up uh, oh <laughs> since, since then. I I I cringe when I when I when I start to think of the the student debt that I accumulated. I went to I went to Carnegie Mellon, and oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So yes. I, I think I I've done the math that I'll be paying off my student loans until I think I'm 143 <laughs> years old. I think is what it what it what it what it came out to be. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and I feel. I feel grateful to be as old as I am because, you know, the school at that at that time was five thousand dollars for the first year and six thousand dollars for the second year, and I thought it was extraordinarily high. But you know, in in retrospect, it was like ah, piece of cake. Now that's that's not even a quarter these days. Again, I, I hate to use the phrase that must have been the days, you know, but <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was great because, you know, in the 80s in Los Angeles, it was it was a, a, a lot of fun. I remember because I started out as an actress. And so um, I remember, you know, this was probably <sighs> 79, 78. I, I had an interview with this new agent in this new agency that nobody has, had ever heard of. And it was um Oh, creative artists agency. It was CAA. It was like turned out to be like the largest agency. I didn't, I didn't sign with them, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was back in Los Angeles, back in the eighties was a hoot. It was great. Now for the listeners and I've obviously I've had the opportunity to kind of like read through your bio, but yeah, 40, 40 years plus in the, in the industry. I got my first equity job in 1977. So my first paying union job in 1977. So yeah, I've been in I've been in the business a long time. <laughs> I've been very very lucky because I've only had to take a what I call a normal people job, like a secretary job or something, right at the very beginning and some really rough years. Of course, I also taught for in at a university level for a while. Mm. But I I've, I've been really fortunate to be able to um pretty much, you know, um, support myself. Well, that's wonderful the stuff I do. I know I'm, I'm blessed. No, like horrible, like PA, uh, jobs when you're, when you're starting off or anything like that. You know, it was weird because, you know, the first seven, seven years, it was kind of like, I, I, I don't know why, but I, I, after I decided to get into the business, I, I actually got this really into this really great musical theater training program at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion back in the day mm. in 1976 or 77. And literally, that was a three months intensive program. And I was out of that for a month and got this equity job. And I then went to New York and got a Broadway show in two weeks. And I had to drop out of like a uh, off-Broadway show that I had gotten in a week. And and I just went, wait a minute, I thought this was supposed to be hard. This is not hard at all. So, um, you know, and then after seven years, everything hit the skids. So then it got hard. Within that that career, which is very, very expansive, obviously you've done, you've done a lot, right? I mean, a lot of writing, producing, directing, acting. Um, of, of those hats, do you have any favorites? I mean, do you, do you find yourself leaning toward writing or, or yes. what do you, you got it. 
my where I where I am like a pig in slop is writing. I uh, if I could just do that all day, I would be um, so so happy. And most of the time, I am doing it all day. I will do other stuff, and then at the end of the day, I just spend like four hours writing, and it's just oh, it's just marvelous. Yeah. Now, obviously, I want to I want to talk a little bit about Dramafy, but before I do, just because writing is that's that's my passion as well. And, you know, speaking with other writers, this is something that seems to be a, a common thread. But I'm kind of curious, what was your when you woke up in like writing, writing? This is what I want to do. I mean, I, I speak with a lot of people and it's many of them can't even think of a time where writing wasn't something that they were inspired by. But I was just wondering if, the, if you yourself can like think of a moment or whether you had read something or you saw something and kind of that's what piqued that passion for you. Well, at first, what I wanted to be was Julie Andrews. I wanted, uh, I, I, I was going to be a star. I wanted to be a, an actress and that's what I pursued. In between, I would write. So like, as I'm dreaming about being Julie Andrews, um, and I remember in seventh or eighth grade, in between, you know, when you go to different classes, you go to between periods, I get to this, to my room as fast as possible and then start writing uh, a John Wayne Western with me starring with him as well. Because that's when True Grit just first came out. And yeah. I was like, I can do Maddie Ross. I'm Maddie Ross. I can do that. So I'm, you know, I've still got it somewhere around here. So I'm, I'm writing in this little pink Lindy Penn, um, a Western with starring me and John Wayne. And when he died, I was so upset because it was like, wait, I wanted to do a movie with him. So I started out wanting to be uh, an actress. My mother rue the day that she ever took me to see Mary Poppins because I just, uh, I was gone mm -hmm. from then on. And it wasn't until like the mid eighties, cause I'd always written like in college and stuff. Um, and I had a really great mentor in, in college, uh, who, who was not a writer herself, but she was, um, she was a really good actress and she was the chair of the department. And she, she was the one who read a couple of my things and said, Liz, you, you could do something with this. And so when I got into my early to mid thirties, you know what happens to actresses in their early to mid thirties, they lose their careers. And so um, I said, well, or I'm going to, that's not funny, but I know, but it's true. And mm -hmm. especially in the eighties, it's not as true now, but especially in back then it was, no, um, I just said, I got to reinvent myself. So I reinvented myself and went back to school and got, got a master's in screenwriting and that's how I kind of shifted to um, writing. I love it. Uh, thank you for sharing uh, sharing that story. I now, love talking about myself. Sure, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I do it. You know, I uh, I, I know me, so I, I like to interview and find out other, you know things about other people. So exactly. Um, and then you, you know, uh, connecting with you, I you know, um, going going onto the website and reading through your bio, I, I'm like, this is somebody that I really want to speak with. And thank you, that's very and, kind. Uh, I was really fascinated by Dramafy, and I was wondering if you could tell the listeners a little bit about the project, uh, you know, uh, that you that you've co-launched. Sure. Um, so in uh, 2019, um, I I was. I had just gone to New York and produced uh, an off-Broadway production of um, a musical that I had written with my writing partner called An Enchanted April, yes, based on the book. Um, 
and it was a lovely show. And as and I actually drove cross country because it was cheaper to to make the props in in Utah and take them back than it would to make them there or rent them. So I'm driving cross country, hauling a, a, this trailer, this 15 foot trailer. And I'm going, you're an idiot. I can't do this anymore. And, you know, I've, I, I've, I'd been in the film business trying to produce my own films and everything is so expensive. And if, if you get it made, then trying to find distribution is crazy nuts. And kind of the same way with, with legit theater is it, it, it it's not as expensive as film, but it's still expensive, especially if you do it union. And then trying to find other theaters that will produce it is. <sighs> so I'm driving back. You know, I had a lot of time to think. And so I'm thinking, I can't do this anymore. And then this thought, because I because I said, I, I, it's, it's prohibitive. I can't afford to do this anymore. And then I got the thought, well, radio isn't that expensive. And I went, Wait a minute. And so then I got the idea of starting to do um, audio dramas because it's affordable and it's and it's just as um, um, it's just as creatively fulfilling. So um, I talked with my co-founder, Ken Harris, who we had been trying to we had been trying to produce film forever. And um I said, this is what I want to do. I want to, I, I want to write audio dramas and then I want to create, for want of a better word, a network like, like NBC, ABC, whatever, because I didn't know what to call it at that time. And I said, I want it to, I want to put my stuff on there and maybe other people's stuff on there and also have it, um, curated so that, um, it's not, it doesn't have a lot of explicit content in it. Um, it's not family, it's not a family channel per se, but it's an all audience channel. And it was, it was his idea to create a streaming service. So what we're, what we're gearing up and hoping to be is the Netflix of audio drama. So that's, that's what we are. And we're doing, actually we're, for being, for bootstrapping and being a startup, I think we're doing pretty darn well. We are, we're awesome. doing pretty well. Yeah. That's really exciting. Now, for the listeners that are still trying to maybe wrap their head around what like an audio drama is, would if I were to say kind of similar in the the vein of and hopefully this doesn't sound offensive because it's not remotely intended to be, but kind of like that idea of the like the old like old style like radio plays. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Um, We like to say it's movies for your ears or, you know, it's 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 a movie just without pictures. So it's it's fully scripted, fully acted, fully sound designed, fully scored. It just don't got no pictures. So, yes, it's exactly what it is. It's like old time radio drama, only new. Now, within your forum, now, is this obviously people create their own content, but are they providing all the 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 things that normally would go on in a radio drama, like the like the the, the footsteps? Sound effects. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. They're all. The, the, uh, yep. Exactly. And um, and and that's the kind of cool thing about this is because um, you know. Apple, uh, Apple podcasts and Spotify and, and Spreaker and all those other huge, uh, uh, and iHeartRadio, great platforms, but audio drama is lumped in with all podcasts and, and on Spotify, they have over 2 million podcasts. So, and I, 
maybe there are let's let's say there are ten thousand. I don't think there are that many, but let's say there are 10,000 audio dramas. Trying to find those amid this sea of podcasts is really difficult. So, so the, the, the really popular ones just continue to get popular because if you, if you Google you know, the top 10 audio dramas, the same top 10 audio dramas keep coming up. So one of the things that I love about Dramafy is that there are so many good creators and artists and writers out there who who need to get, who, who should be heard. And, and this gives them a place to get recognized to, for, for an audience to find them. And I, I love that because I know how it feels mm-hmm. to send your script to, you know, anything and, and wonder if it ever gets read. It sits on somebody's desk. If you're lucky, a reader will read it. And right. hopefully, hopefully it's a good day for that reader and they like your stuff and then mm-hmm. we'll pass it on. But I mean, the, the odds of getting something like that done are astronomical. Absolutely. No, you're, you're, you're right. Is, uh, is it Elizabeth or Liz or? You can uh, call me either. You okay. know, now I your mean, highness just, is good too. It's your highness, yes. Um, because even even the good ones that that do well, even like in a festival circuit, that nothing ever happens, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. not to you know, like pat myself on the back or talk about my own stuff, but you know, please do. Uh, even things that I have written that you know, uh, won a, a little festival here or you know, won a won a grant there, you know, things that I were you know that I might have been proud of, and people read, gave great feedback, but never gets like purchased or anything. And exactly. So this is a great, a great forum for, for something like that. So I think it's, I think it's awesome now just because I, I, I can't help but ask because it was a single like funniest half hour of my life. I don't know if you ever saw, or if, if you ever watched the show Frasier, but there was an episode where they did an old style radio show and it was it was fantastic. It was like the 50th anniversary of the radio station, and they asked Frazier to direct an old Agatha Christie style, um, like Who Done It, and he brought everybody into in, in, into um, to help him out. But of course, it's Frazier, and he's going to over direct everything. And Niles had predicted that he's going to sabotage it, and that's exactly what happens. And everybody <laughs> pisses each, uh, pitchy, uh, piss each other off on like the set and in the end it's not even a whodunit everybody dies because it <laughs> irritates everybody and um, I don't know if you ever saw that but definitely uh, look that up if you if you enjoy Frasier because it was just one of the, the the funniest half hour bits that I can think of I think that episode is called ham radio but anyway just reminded uh, me of that oh I'm gonna you know I don't remember it and I'm surprised because I I think I watched every Fraser Fraser episode that there was because I loved I'm a big Perry Gilpin fan so yeah. I, I love all of those people I love all of those people yeah um, I miss all of those people as I, a matter of fact I know I, I am I correct did I hear something about like a like a modern adaptation of Fraser I don't know I, I might have dreamt that but I think I read that somewhere but anyway that's neither here yeah, if nor you dreamt there it, that's a good dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm really excited, you know, and I I'm, I'm you know I'm just looking forward to seeing what is uh, you know what's what's coming up for for Dramafy. So thank you thank for you. introducing that. Well, and and I'm gonna I, I want to say one more thing about Dramafy, which is which is what also makes it really special. I think is that unlike any other platform out there, 
Um, I think there are some that sponsor some other people, some, some shows, but we revenue share. So we revenue share 20% of the gross profits, both advertising and, su- and subscriptions. And we quarterly um, share the, share that revenue and, and pay the the creators depending on how much their stuff is listened to. So the more it's listened to, the more money, the more the revenue share that they get. So I, I'm really excited about that. And I'll tell you, um, you never saw somebody be so happy to get fourteen dollars in your life <laughs> because they they never expect to get any money because it, it's a labor of love and you know they're used to having it on these big platforms that make grundles of money but you know it doesn't trickle down to them so that's the other thing and and that was Ken's idea and I and I love that idea as well is that we revenue share so if we do well they do well that's brilliant I love it I really Thank do. You. So uh, I'm going to continue to uh, look, you know, do do more research on it. But just in the the, the past couple of weeks that we've been connecting, you know, I'm just I'm excited about it, and I've, I've talked to other people about about Drama Five because I think it, I think it's a brilliant idea. And- Thanks. Well, yeah, and it's this it's this weird renaissance of I, I mean, it's exciting. It's this very exciting renaissance of 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 sound that's coming back. And you know, maybe I don't know if if podcasting started it, and it's just a natural extension of of the podcasting phenomenon. Uh, but the cool thing about it is that because and i and i think the uh, pandemic um accelerated that because everybody was stuck in their homes but it, it, you can do it you can do it i mean we're on zencaster and we recorded our last um um our last show on zencaster cuz we had people all over the country that our actors were everywhere so mm-hmm. it, it so the technology has has evolved to a point where you can be anywhere record it it sounds pristine and and um music and sound effects are easily accessible and really um the fidelity of them is is marvelous and they're affordable so it's a it's a great it's it's wonderful for uh creative folk who don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars or rich parents lucky Uh Or a lot of credit card debt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot, a lot of credit card debt. Um, now, you know, if you've got some time, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about a little bit about movies. And sure. I mean, this is one of the things that we had talked about. Now, for I mean, my listeners will know, but if you're if you're new to this podcast, the whole idea of the show is to bring somebody on. You choose a movie or movies, and and we talk about it. it's kind of the idea. If you choose it, I watch it. We discuss it. Just because I, there are a lot of podcasts out there, and it's usually what the host wants to talk about. And so I wanted a podcast where the guest basically has full autonomy over, you know, what we're, what we're discussing. And when we were talking, you thought it would just be kind of a great idea to just to talk about what makes a great movie or what makes a movie great with your history and your background. I'm, I'm really, really curious to know as far as, you know, what's on your mind, what, what to you is a good film, not necessarily a specific movie. Like you have to name true grit or whatever, but what, what makes a movie good? What makes a good movie or however you would want to phrase that? Well, I, and since you brought this up, I've been thinking a lot about this and I, I, what, everything always comes back to character. I mean, if you don't have really good, um, uh, 
empathetic, uh, relatable, well-developed, layered characters, who cares? Quite frankly, who cares? And I mean, that, you know, it's, I I mentioned that I I taught screenwriting a lot and I even taught uh, at a film school over in the Philippines because I was looking for an adventure. So I taught Mm -hmm. film school over in the Philippines and I'll tell you, um, all that, all that they, all that they knew or wanted to do were, um, really dark, uh, brutal, like Hollywood movies. And they, they didn't care about character. Um, they just, uh, the, the brutality (laughs) they just wanted to do. And it was, it was hard for me to, to, to say, okay, no one will care about this. No, because we've seen people get shot before. Okay. So, and there's only so many ways that you can blow somebody up. (laughs) Uh, But I'll tell you, the thing that's going to make you good is if you can create characters and characters with relations, uh, excuse me, relationships, let me get the polygrip out, relationships and, and, um, in situations where I care about what happens to them. You know, the thing about Pixar is I I remember a couple of years ago, I was talking to a friend and I said, why is it that when I go to the movies, the only movies I cry in are animated now. Mm -hmm. And because they, you know, I remember going to see up and even that first segment, you know, they're just telling the backstory of this old guy. I'm bawling my eyes out. Yeah, and there's not even any dialogue. In the first 10 minutes and you're you're bawling. You're, you're, you're yes, because they they get it. They get it. And they're um, they don't have to blow something up. And I'm all for blowing up because I, you know. I think Marvel does a really good job of blowing things up, but having extraordinarily rich characters. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes an action film transcend the genre of action film is it is if you have characters that are so real, um, Thanos is a horrible evil guy. And, and I say evil in quotes because I think a lot of people will disagree with me and I will disagree with myself because um, he's willing to sacrifice half of the universe, the population of the universe to bring it back into balance or what he thinks is balance. But it's not easy for him. He has to sacrifice his daughter. And, and it's that the characters in, in the Avengers are so well-rounded. And uh, so my, my, the first thing I would say, and this is what I always tell my students, and this is what I always tell myself, is that you've got to create believable, uh, distinctive characters who have um, wants and needs and goals. So um, that's what I would say. Yeah. And just because you had brought up Thanos and everything, it's just one one of the strengths, obviously, is the fact that and and you kind of touched on it is just the way that he's justifying it in his in his own his own way there. He's finding there, there's a even though he's obviously like a an alien of some sort, there's something still very, very human. It's not just a pure like snidely whiplash that's just going to exactly and strap him to, you know, uh, 
um, which we'll call it um, the railroad tracks. Yeah, railroad tracks. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. like, what are those things? You know. Uh, uh, That's because I grew up watching Dudley Do Right. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of the one of the successes, whether it's Thanos or whether it's Hannibal Lecter or any great villain, is that obviously they're they're horrible, but at the same time, their their rationale is very much humanized, and even that they're even though they're evil, you can still see their objective, and that's. It all goes back to character, right? So, I mean, yep. these are things, whether, you know, I mean, shoot, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, uh, thousands of years, I guess, really is what it comes down to. Just like the stories told throughout time. Now, when you were teaching screenwriting, whether here or Philippines, what what were texts that you would you would recommend? If so, if somebody is listening that they want to start writing films what is what would you recommend that they that they would read keep talking i have to look in my, <laughs> my sure absolutely because obviously you know um I, I know you have a lot of background but i mean obviously whether it's robert mckee's story or whether it's uh uh what is it save the cat or whether it's you know uh uh going back a little uh going back a ways uh sid fields or 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 whoever you know oh my gosh i'll tell you the i'll tell you the the, i i honestly i learned and and every teacher will say this i learned more about screenwriting by teaching it because you realize how much you don't know (laughs) when you start teaching it and you Mm -hmm. have to put it in a curriculum where you know you dissect it and and you 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 teach these elements so you have to you have to learn how you can um explain them and in in a way that students who've never like i mean they've they've watched a lot of media but they 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 don't know the bits and pieces of it. So I will say that m- my personal guru is John Truby because mm. he um, he broke it down into um, a very understandable um, set of uh, – like a maps to fall to follow this happens and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens and within those you know structure points um you you that's where you can you know bring in bring in some of this and bring in some of that so john truby actually was the because i wrote sid field i i i like his stuff but i it was it was hard to wrap myself around it leos agri i i love his i love what i love about leos agri is that i didn't understand all of his book but one of the things i liked a lot was his um breakdown of psychology biology and physiology and i will always use those parameters parameters in in creating a background for my characters and it's really really um handy to have those um um william goldman adventures in the screen trade is amazing is amazing um robert mckee is also really good because um i'd read a couple of his books and then he came out with story and it was like Whoa. Okay. So I I love reading all of these. uh, Oh, and of course it's, um, you know, Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what was the guy's name that, that, that took Joseph Campbell? What was his name? Oh crap. I can't remember. 
um, it's been a while since I've had to uh, bring these names, but he, he's, he was working, I think he was working at Disney and he took Joseph Campbell's, um, heroic structure and kind of put it in, in, um, screenwriting form, the, the mm-hmm. hero's journey, um, talk for a little bit. And my, my bookcase is right back here. So I'll look no, and no see worries, if I can. No worries. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. Just being able to speak with another, another, writer, teacher, you know, somebody that's passionate about, about the craft. And I'm always curious just to know what other people are reading or what, what stories that they, what they like. Obviously, you know, Joseph Campbell is uh, definitely one that, that when I was teaching, granted, I only taught for a year, but when I was in grad school, uh, but I still taught, but uh, Joseph Campbell, Robert McKee uh, story, I mean, just both great pieces. So I'm, yeah, just always into hearing what other people recommend. I can't find the book, darn it. But there's also another writer out there um, who was uh, Linda Seeger, who wrote some amazing books, uh, and especially about character in the mid 80s. I remember, uh, I think this was before I actually went to, uh, got accepted and went to AFI. Uh, She was doing a lecture at UCLA and I went to hear the lecture. So Linda Seeger is also a really great Great book, and her book is uh oh, I got three of them. I can't find them right now. It's Sorry. okay. It's okay. But look it up because I will. I um, will. it's 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 all about. She really focuses on character, and it's and it's great. So um, the the nice thing about it, you know, and, um, what is, there's another one that I like really a lot. It's like writing a screenplay in 21 days or something like that. And, and I, and I, I tried that one and actually wrote one in 21 days. <laughs> so, um, I think there, the, the cool thing is, is that when I was starting out, there were no screen, there was like two screenwriting books and one was William Goldman adventures in the screen trade and, um, like Sid Field and Lejos. Right. I agree. And that, that was it. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of, I mean, I love Dr. Format, David Trottier. Um, I know him, he lives in Utah here. He's, he's really great as well. So, um, I think writers are really fortunate now. Uh, it's either fortunate or unfortunate because there's so much that you can, that you can read and glean. You just have to find the one that really speaks to you. And for me, it was John Truby. Sure. So John Truby. Now, do you, do you, have you read, I I assume obviously you've read screenplays, but is there the, do you have like a favorite screenplay that you read, whether it was a movie that ever got made or a movie that didn't get made and you're like this, this is just pure like artwork on a page. Yes. And it did get made and it's called Chinatown. I think it's the (laughs) the best. I think it's the most perfect movie ever made. Mm -hmm. And that's saying a lot because I think there's a lot of really good movies. Um, But I, you know, a a friend of mine was asking me that the other day, what's your favorite movie? And I went, you know, I just keep coming back to Chinatown because it's it's just, oh my gosh, it's just so perfectly structured. Uh, Wow. Robert Town is is he's he's extraordinary. Yeah. A Roman Polanski's frightening but he's he was he was gifted. Mhm. That's how that seems to work is uh there you know uh frightening people that create some just absolutely incredible art. Now, yeah. if you've got a second because we've we've spoken about good films 
And one of the because it's, sometimes it sounds like a little bougie when people when you when you refer to something as a good film versus say a movie being entertaining. And I was just wondering if you find that there sometimes can be a, you know that distinction, you know, a good film versus it's it's a hell of a ride. It's highly flawed, but there's still something about it that um, I guess an example and some people are completely uh, will, will hate on me and I'm not necessarily, I would call myself a big action junkie, but because you had referenced action movies. And I think that there are movies that I don't think would ever win any Oscars or winning any awards for fantastic screenplays, but they're set up within a world and they abide by the rules and things just look that work perfectly. And I guess the example I will use, and I apologize if this is not a movie that you like and, uh, but say a movie like speed speed is, uh, is, you know, just completely crazy, but it, it sets up a world and it has very, very specific rules that, that are applying to it. It is a really, really fantastic hero's journey in that, in that respect as well. And you go through these, all these different elements that obviously somebody like um, Joseph Campbell would have talked about, or even Robert McKee when we're talking about story. But would I necessarily call Speed a, quote, good film or an entertaining film? I don't know. So that's why I'm always kind of curious just to hear other writers if there if there is a distinction or, you know, sometimes something can be a popcorn movie, but still also be a damn actually, quote, good film, too. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. I think Spielberg makes those kind of movies mm. that are darn good popcorn movies, but they also transcend the genre in which they have been, you know, made. So, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about the original Jurassic Park. Right. I was thinking about Schindler's List. Oh my gosh, that was devastating. Absolutely devastating. Um, so I, I, you know, I think a really, I, they, there's again, gifted, gifted people. Um, I think that, uh, well, I'm a big Wonder Woman fan, and uh, you know the 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 original, the first one, because uh, I think it's just I, I think it's really well made. But it's, recent, not not Linda Carter like TV not show. Linda Carter, yeah. though I did watch that one too. <laughs> <laughs> I never read; I watched. So I'm like Peter Sellers in that movie. Uh, I like to watch. Um, <laughs> um, um, you know, is it a perfect movie? No. Are, is there some cornball stuff in it? Yes. But it is a great f movie to just watch. If it's whenever it's on or I need just a, a little escapism, I love watching it because, you know, I was also a tomboy when I was a kid and there were, you know, here you've got like Amazons that are like riding horses and like flying through the air and it's just like a, a little tomboy's dream come true. Right. So yeah, I think, you know, and that's what I love about the arts. There's room for everything. Um, you know, we don't really want to spend a lot of money on bad stuff, but there's still room for everything. And I, and I love that about it. Um, yeah. So I love speed, by the way, I watched it couple of months ago and you know it holds up pretty it well holds up. It, it holds up, up really well it yeah does. i mean i don't think the movie is trying to be anything other than what it is but yes. sometimes i think that's okay yes. 
And yes. I guess it kind of transitions into, you know, and I know we're kind of pressed for time, but where do where do potentially good films in your experience, you know, whether reading, teaching, working on in your own respect, where do potentially good films go wrong more often than not? Act two. Act two. So they usually have got, I, I remember when I was getting ready to come and this is going to be a name drop and pardon me on this, but it's one of my better name drops. But, um, um, I was getting ready to come up. This was the early nineties, uh, and teach at Brigham Young. And, um, because there's a writer strike and I couldn't find any work. So oh, like in the um, mid eighties writer strike. Uh, no, this was uh, at about 93 early nineties. Okay. So, um, um, I, just, I had read, um, an article in the Los Angeles times, cause I used to work at the Los Angeles times and the TV times magazine. And, um, they ran this story on, uh, Gerald Mullen, who was Spielberg's, uh, unit production manager. And he had written this really cool, uh, article about something. I can't remember what it was, but I had the audacity to write him a letter and say, I would love to sit and talk with you about this. And by golly, he phoned me up and we went, he took me to lunch and I asked him that exact same question. He said, good films go wrong in, in act two because they have a really, really strong opening. And, you know, act one usually only is 30 minutes mm -hmm. and Act three is usually you know, 30 minutes. But, and this is what I love so much about John Truby is that he can, he can like systematically and, and logically map out the plot points that you have to go through. The logical, uh, the logical plot points that a human being goes through to solve a problem and to grow as a human being. And, um, I, I think that is where most that's that, you know, that's where most um, films go wrong and usually in their sequels, <laughs> because <laughs> because in, invariably what I find is when they do a sequel, the, the 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 original was so strong because there was one bad guy and one good guy in the sequel. They go, well, if that worked, let's give them more bad guys. Well, what it does is it splits the story and you're telling two different stories. It's like the first Batman with um, Jack Nicholson. You know, you had this really great, wonderful, you know, bad guy in the Joker. And the next one they had, if, if I'm remembering correctly, they had the Penguin and, and Catwoman. And then and, Max Shrek and, you know, you see, yeah, yeah, like, you know, and then it just goes, you know, it goes to hell in a handbag. Right. So, um, um, that's where I find, I mean, if you, if you, if you give the, the, the main character, two bad guys to fight, you're telling two separate movies and you will, it will never do well. It never will. Cause you can't tell two stories at the same time, effectively two yeah. main stories at the same right. time. Right. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, one final question before I turn it over to you, but I'm, I'm curious to know a, a quote, good movie that you just didn't like, you couldn't, you just couldn't, you just couldn't do it. Just couldn't, you know, you accept that it's damn good movie, but oh. it's just like, no, it's going to be a classic. It's going to be a classic. I just don't see the, I just don't, I, I, I understand the, the searchers. I get oh, okay. it. I get it. And it was, it was something that was like, there was like a shrine at AFI <laughs> for the searchers. And yes, it has some really 
great, wonderful things, and I'm going to get skewered <laughs> by people. Um, but I, um, I just, I just don't get it. Yeah. What's up, Doc? I just didn't get that one either. It's going to be. I know it. I've never seen it. I, I've never seen what's it, up. Doc. It was funny, but I think it was one of those things that everybody thought it was so great that when I, I my expectations were so high when I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of more modern movies because I really. Oh, I mean, you can talk. You can talk the classics. You can talk modern with me. I, I am a huge classic fan. I am yeah. a huge classic. Uh, I I do like Citizen Kane. It's not my favorite, but it, I mean, I I get it, and mm-hmm. I I get why why it was is because it was just so different from everything that was being made at the time. Um, you get a little bit more recent, but still falling under the the classic. I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on Night of the Hunter. Oh, I didn't. I've never seen it. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Who's in it? Who's in it? Remind me. Robert Mitchum and. Oh. Yeah, it's the like the love and hate uh, like tattoo uh, like that he had on there. Basically, he's a I mean, it's kind of like a snake oil salesman, like preacher that comes into town and runs amok. Uh, I, I can't believe I forgot the name of the, the, the filmmaker, but that's kind of like my go to 50s, 60s, like black and white movie that I'm like, you, you want to watch something that was definitely ahead of its time in many ways and just very, very dark. And, but also just cinematically just beautiful, just, uh, just because you had mentioned citizen Kane and I, I don't don't know if I'm completely crazy, but that that's kind of my, my artistic black and white film, not to take away anything from like psycho and other, you know, fantastic black and white films, but just were very, very specific, Elements, and I now have to look up who directed uh, *Night of the Hunter* because what he did was just ridiculous. Um, to do quality entertainment for the listeners right now, uh, Charles Lawton. Charles Lawton did. Oh, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, so Robert Mitchum, Shelley really? Winters. Mm-hmm. Yep. I yeah. love Shelley. I love Shelley Winters. <laughs> <laughs> A very, very young uh, Shelley Winters, but yeah. So it was uh, Charles Lawton that uh, that did *Night of the Hunter*. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So this is my my homework assignment for you is to uh, check out night and for the listeners, but you know definitely check out Night of the Hunter because it's it's uh, I'm not gonna say anything, but I think it is a, a damn near perfect. I don't know. You you reference Chinatown. I'm like I don't think it's quite of the caliber of Chinatown, but it's a uh, it's a I don't know a top. It's a top twenty for me, I would say of just like all time, like great, great films. You know, I love film noir and I remember, um, going to, you know, going to AFI when I went to AFI was really cool in the eighties. I went from 86 to 88 and, um, it was every, almost every class. I mean, James Horner was teaching. Mm. It, it, it was extraordinary. We'd have the people who would come for the the weekly lectures were <laughs> who's who's. But, um, you know, the, the screenwriters were old, um, you know, screenwriters from the 40s. And it, it was extraordinary. And the one guy, if I remember, I hope I'm remembering co- correctly. Holt Satterfield, where are you when I need you? Um, um, Robert Boyle was teaching production design. And Robert Boyle was one of Hitchcock's production designers. Mm. 
I think he did North by Northwest, I think. And I remember sitting in his class and we were talking about <laughs> film noir. And he said, you know, all these people talk about film noir being like showing the underbelly of this, that, and the other thing. And what they don't understand is we only had four lights because that's, <laughs> that's all the studios give us was four lights. We had a light with four lights because we had, we had no budget. And so, it, you know, that kind of necessity created an entire genre that was extraordinary. Yeah, and, uh, whether a film noir, but just the just some of the great art that comes out of limitations, right? I mean, just mm -hmm. you don't have mm -hmm. access to this, that, or the other. Just some of the most brilliant films, filmmakers, where I've just been able to just make lemonade out of lemons, right? And I, like I think a diver of filmmaking. Yes, exactly. <laughs> with what you can do with Q-tips, <laughs> like mentholatum and duct tape, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Elizabeth, I, I want to thank you. This was, this was awesome. I know that we had allocated the half hour. I'm, I'm so thankful that, you know, that you, you've hung out with me a little bit longer. Is there anything else that you, you want to, you want to uh, speak to if there's anything that I forgot, whether it's about Dramafy or whether it's, uh, anything that you're like, shoot, I would like to speak about this, but I just wanted to give you the form. If there was anything that you wanted to touch on, of course, I mean, I'm, I, I, you're, you're amazing. I could, I literally can speak to you forever. So if there's anything <laughs> Thank that you. About. it's just that I've lived a long time and done a whole bunch of crap. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, as I said, when we started, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I have a, I have a really, and this is, I am not saying this arrogantly at all. It's just like, if you've been in the business this long, you're going to have a long resume because, you know, you can't hold a job. All your jobs last for six months and you have to look for a new one. Um, it, if I may make a shameless plug for Dramafy, um, you can, you can, it's, it's, it's cost effective. You can either listen free with ads or it's like four bucks a month. And we have like 135 shows over like 1500 episodes. And um, it's really great. It, it's at dramafy.com. And so that's my shameless plug. It's a good one. It's a good one. Thanks. All right, Elizabeth Hansen, thank you. This was an absolute treat. And I just want to let you know, anytime you want to come talk any movie in particular that, hey, that you, you know, you're like, I want I to talk, talk for half an hour on the new West Side Story. Oh, my gosh. Was it good? I still haven't seen it. <gasps> and I was I was incensed because I think the original West Side, you know, in 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 theater, there to me, there's like five perfect shows out there. West Side, West Side Story is structurally another perfect show. Mm -hmm. And and so West Side Story, the movie, I mean, Robert Wise directing, come on. And and even though you can you can argue about uh, you know, that there you <laughs> The diversity, there wasn't any diversity in it. It was 1960, what, two, something like that. Mm. So let's just look at, let's look at the art. So it, it, it's a beautiful movie. So when I heard that Mr. Spielberg was going to remake it, I was actually angry and incensed. Um, and then I saw a, a documentary, um, just a, a short blurb on 2020, and it looked fascinating. And so when it finally came out, I went, it's extraordinary. I, I actually like it better than the original. They, they, 
they rewrote it and deepened the characters and cemented everything together. There, you know, in the the original, there's some loose ends that they tied all up, and it makes so much sense. And Rita Moreno is wonderful as Doc's wife. It's ah, yeah. So, and Andrew, if ever you want to just talk, you just give me a call. I've had the best time. Oh, thank time. you. But now You're I'm definitely going to see the, the, the new uh, West Side Story. My whole thing was, I'm like, I I just didn't know why it was necessary. I thought the the original was perfect as is, right? So Yeah, and that's ex- that's exactly how I felt. So, I mean, and if, you know, it's it, it didn't, as I understand, it didn't do well, which is unfortunate. And, mm-hmm. and it's probably because of when they released it last fall. Right. Because we were just kind of getting over the pandemic. But it's on, it's on, um, both Disney and I think I saw that it's also on HBO Max. So it was, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll double check that again. So yeah. it's 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 extraordinary and it's gorgeous, gorgeous, wonderful. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, thank you so much to to Elizabeth Hansen of Dramafy. Andrew, thank you for having me again. Immense, immense thanks goes to Elizabeth Hansen for joining us. I had an absolute ball of a time talking with her. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode almost as much as I have. If um, if you get a second, take a look at the episode show notes because I will include a bunch of links. Obviously, some of the books we discussed, a couple of the films we discussed. Naturally, I'll include the, the link to dramafy.com, which definitely take a look at that. I think it's a, just a genius concept, just absolutely genius. But what I'll also do is I'll share some of my links, right? So if you are not following me on the various forms of social media like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Slasher or Letterboxd or my Discord channel or shit, even my YouTube, because you can be listening to these episodes on YouTube, uh, all of those links will be provided. And as always, please uh, tell your friends about this uh, about this podcast. Have them subscribe and leave a review, preferably a good review. I mean, I mean, I'd like it to be honest, but at the same time, you know, I I'd still like it to be still like it to be good. But uh, anyway, thank you again for for listening, and we will see you next time on another episode of Stanford Cinema. Mm-hmm.